Welcome back to the Change Healthcare Podcast. I'm G. Shaw, your host for today. Today, we'll be talking about the use of APIs in healthcare with our guest, Akash Seti from Infinix. Akash, before we get started, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what your role is at Infinix, and what your team focuses on every day? Sure. Before that, thanks, G, for hosting me. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I think we have a really cool subject that we're talking about today, APIs in healthcare, which is something that I deal with on a day-to-day basis at Infinix. So I'm a product manager for our pre-care patient access suite of products. Infinix essentially is a healthcare technology company that focuses on the payment life cycles, uh, the revenue cycle management aspect of it. So we have two aspects here. We have the pre-care and the post-care. The pre-care involves the patient access functions, which is from when a patient comes, registers themselves, and everything administratively and financially involved in getting them that treatment. So from eligibility checks to getting a prior authorization if that's required, to seeing if a clinical decision support is required as well. So I manage that, the patient access part of it. You know, my role personally involves starting from the product development lifecycle from the very beginning to seeing what's what the problems out there are, evaluating the market landscape, seeing what needs to be built, and then delivering it, doing a proof of concept, building a prototype, and then scaling it up and delivering it into the marketplace. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the biggest challenges you find in developing the patient access products through the lifecycle? Sure. In the space that we're in, I think it's very important to isolate what your core competence is and focus on that. And that is something where a vendor, a startup can offer its unique value proposition. For us at Infinix, we identified that to be the prior authorization space. Now, as you know, really complementary to prior authorization are some other functions out there in the market, which are slightly better defined, such as eligibility, verification, patient pay estimates. Now, I think to start off with, it's very important, like I said, when you do identify your core competence, you need to know that that is something that you want to invest in, all your resources to build that product. And then, you know, you want to augment that solution and Another critical decision there is how you want to augment it. The capabilities, do you want to build them? Do you want to buy them? I think that's a critical decision to make as well. Once you do make that differentiation between your build versus buy, you've got to test your solution out in the market. Now, once you get that product validation, you have to scale. In healthcare specifically, there's a lot of other components to consider, such as the various security measures that have to take place, you know, the HIPAA compliance, if you want to be high-tech compliant, I think those are some critical aspects to keep in mind. And then in product management generally, but also more so in the healthcare space, I think it's very important to understand your users and your customers. In Phoenix, we deliver B2B solutions. People usually say that customers are more important in B2C solutions. I think that's not entirely true. Uh, A lot of times during B2B solutions, you make some assumptions, you compromise on user experience for more flexibility and control, which which are important aspects, but you have to understand your user's pains and deliver to that. So 
you know, we're in the space of preserving, maximizing revenues, but in that, you know, we tend to forget that there are these nurses, your key personas, your nurses, or your, maybe your physicians, your uh, PAs. Uh, how, how do you alleviate their pains while helping both the top line and the bottom line of the practice organizations, the hospitals, the imaging centers as well? I really love your focus there on the idea, not of just the user, but the user's user, because ultimately those are the folks that are getting the benefit of, of the, the product you're creating. I also really like this idea of operating to your license, right? You as a company are operating to the top of your license by creating this product. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went through that build versus buy decision once you realized that creating an eligibility verification system was not necessarily part of that license or part of that competency that you wanted to create? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So like I said, our company started off uh, from its nascent stages in the prior authorization market space. So we tried to really offer services, try to help our customers. As the market evolved, we evolved as well. Instead of services, we migrated into offering that solution in the form of a product more as a software capability. We identified the market landscape and prior authorization as really unequivocal. So it's a highly seg- segmented market and there's no real solution that really tackles prior authorization end-to-end. That is the space we wanted to be in. That's the space we had domain expertise in. And uh, that's where we f- thought that we could really offer a high level of a unique proposition there. Now, what comes with prior authorization is... Prior authorization is a key element to the entire patient access process. The other key elements in the patient access process are verifying a patient's insurance and being able to convey to a provider and to patients what their benefits are, whether the procedure is covered or not covered, and the ability to provide an out-of-pocket estimate. So we, we saw these two pieces really as complementary pieces something that would both add as a valuable add-on to our prior authorization solution so we could package this into a complete patient access solution. Now, like I said before, prior authorization was not a segment where the solutions were well-defined or there was a monopoly of some very good vendors out there that offered these kind of products. On the other hand, eligibility and benefits, it's, it's a more of a well-defined space. Now, there are some key components and key skills required there as well. You need to have, of course, those security measures. You need to be HIPAA compliant. But you also have to have that pair connectivity established, which is it wasn't really uh, the opportunity cost really wasn't there for us there. We, we saw that in the market there were other solutions, this problem had been tackled to quite an extent out there. So what we did was we actually went out there, we looked for solutions, we, we tried a clearinghouse first. It didn't work out really well for us. And then we switched to change healthcare because we had heard good reviews about it. That's basically what our process was. We tested it. It seemed to work out well for us. We tested it on a pilot customer first. We had some good feedback and then we decided to build on that. Now. 
even when we do talk about the build versus buy, leaving build aside for just a second, if you look at the buy buying aspect of it or licensing, it's not the be all be all end all that you just buy something and then you you're essentially a reseller or you just wrap around that solution. You can actually augment that solution specific to your users and your competence. Now, again, we thought we had a good understanding of our users and we identified some aspects where we could build on to the service that you were providing us, which is the eligibility benefits. And we decided to build on that. And I think that turned out really well for us as well. It sounds like quite a journey. Yeah, I'd really be interested to know how you went through that. So you made this this decision to buy versus build the the authorization APIs. How did you feel about going through that process? What guided you and what made that experience work as you were going through the purchasing as well as the implementation process? When we had a few prior authorization customers, we got the demand to do eligibility and benefits as well. I think, you know, as it is with most startups and small and medium businesses, your top priority and your resource allocation has to be pointed towards your primary offering. So what we thought here, both in terms of because our resources were allocated more towards prior authorization and because we did not have the core competence in the field of insurance eligibility and benefits, we decided to go out in the market and look for solutions. Now, at that point in time, our customer actually recommended that we look at a specific clearinghouse. I'm not going to name what that clearinghouse was, but we did partner with them and it did not turn out too well for us. Our customers did not get the kind of results that they were hoping, both in terms of eligibility and benefits. And I think this is something that I have seen across other solutions as well, not just clearinghouses, but some of the major EMRs and EHRs have some sort of innate eligibility benefits capabilities, which users are not always satisfied with. They, they say that, you know, something most of the times they can do the eligibility verification, but they aren't always able to provide us the copay, the coinsurance, the deductible information that we really, that's, that's what is of value to us. So we decided to look for other solutions and uh, we came across Change Healthcare. Now, we, it was both, it was an amalgamation of people recommending Change Healthcare to us and us doing our own research on Change Healthcare, but uh, we decided to try it out. And I think from that point in time, it was a fairly straightforward and easy process. Now, Change Healthcare's eligibility and benefits solution was offered to us in the form of an API. To an extent, it really is as easy as a plug and play where we had to, there wasn't a lot of time taken for the implementation. We were provided details for the sandbox. We were given the endpoints, what what was required as the input, what would we get as the output. And that was fairly easy for us to provide all that information because we were already getting that information as part of our prior authorization product. So the, the physician the physician information, patient demographics, procedure details, most of it we already had accessible to us. So we were able to provide that information. We saw the results and we were satisfied with it. 
I think it turned out really well for us. We were getting the eligibility verification details, and we were also getting the benefits information that our customers desired, which also actually G led us to then explore the next part of this, which is patient pay estimations. And this is something that we had built initially, but we were made aware that change was offering an API for patient responsibility estimations as well. So we just decided to go with it. And we recently went live with the customer for the PRE API that you guys support, the patient responsibility estimation. And I think the early signs are that that's working well for us as well. So it sounds like, you know, in this journey, you really tried to find a provider that had the scale to give you the capabilities and the functionalities you needed so you wouldn't have to build them on your own, which I think we all know is is the core promise of having APIs and and the use of APIs in healthcare. Um, And I really like the way you talked about the use of the sandbox because I think that gives you that same capability. Try before you buy and kind of test out those those capabilities. Uh, I'm really interested to hear, though, how you learned about the pre-API and how you were able to discover and use that API in addition to the eligibility APIs that you were already using for change? Yeah, um, I think it was fairly uh, straightforward. We had a project manager who we were working with for the eligibility API. And, uh, you know, I just floated it out there that this is something that uh, patient responsibility estimation is something that our customers are talking about. And I was made aware that that is something that change is also working on. So we decided to explore it. I was uh, put in touch with, I think, the product manager for the PRE solution. We had a discussion and same process. We were given access to the sandbox, plug and play. It worked out for us. We decided to go ahead and implement it. Well, it sounds like a a good example of your use of that concept of license, right? Because you had the opportunity to use some of these APIs you could focus your energy and your expertise in solving those problems instead of the, the, the base problems of going and getting out a bunch of payer connections to drive eligibility and then creating, creating the connections to all those payers to get the results. But I really would like to hear a little more about some of the other challenges you've run into in using APIs in healthcare. And I think we all know that these are still you know, emerging models. Everyone talks about having APIs, but then we run into the but we're in healthcare, so there must be something different. Right. And before that, I just want to mention one more thing uh, about the fact that you mentioned that we were able to use our core competence in other areas as opposed to this. I think that's very valid because a lot of the times when I talk to our customers, they ask us, you know, eligibility benefits. What are the different pairs that you have established automation with? And I think it's very pleasant for them to hear that it's, it's not that we have spent time integrating with pair one, pair two, pair three, and then we would have to accommodate more pairs depending on what their pair mix is like. But we, we have a solution where we've integrated with the clearinghouse that has this elaborate pair connectivity. So we don't have to individually work with different pairs. I think that's a big value proposition of this partnership as well. It's that great time to market benefit you get from using a widely connected API supposed to building it on your own. Exactly. So back to your other question, the different challenges in this space. Uh, I think payer connectivity or provider connectivity in the healthcare space generally has a lot of problems. APIs is supposed to be this one area that's supposed to solve a lot of these problems. Now, as it is with any change, there's a lot of inertia 
people working on legacy systems are used to working a certain way that inertia really prevents them from moving and changing technologies because they have invested so much time uh, and so many customizations that take place I want to talk about two different types of connectivities here. There's a provider-to-provider connectivity and there's a provider-to-payer connectivity. Now, between providers, you know, your PCP wants to send out a referral to a specialist or it wants to send out a prior authorization request to a vendor like Infinix. The standard, the popular mode of communication in today's world is the, the HL7 standard, which is not the Fire HL7, but the V2, V3. And a lot of EMRs, EHRs, providers have spent a lot of time building those interfaces. A lot of providers have invested in building those interface engines uh, or working with interface engines that facilitate these HL7s. They have customizations specific to them with legacy platforms, legacy EMRs, EHRs, that they tend to sway to going with one of those existing routes, which even though takes longer, has more customizations, in their mind, it's something that works for them. So they'll go ahead and keep doing that. Now, there are providers who are more progressive, who are looking at APIs, and we experience this all the time. When we integrate with one of our providers, we offer them the ability to integrate with us using HL7, or using APIs, for example. And most people go with HL7. Some people that do go with APIs find that it's a lot easier and it's a lot quicker. So it is something that I think we still have to educate our customers that this is something worth investing in and worth looking at as opposed to just defaulting to an older legacy standard. Same thing with pair connectivity. I think some providers prefer to just directly build those EDI 270, 271s, 278s, as opposed to, you know, let's say like partnering with a clearinghouse or a change healthcare that does offer them APIs, which the implementation would be way quicker. I think that is an interesting problem out there. I think it's just Awareness has to increase. And as we're seeing with the whole Fire APIs, the DaVinci project, the Argonaut project, uh, I think Change Healthcare is involved with that as well. I think the adoption of APIs will accelerate moving forward. So I think that's something to look forward to. No, and that's a great call out. Uh, Change Healthcare is indeed involved with both Argonaut and DaVinci. And we're, we're seeing more and more interest, more velocity behind the adoption, not just of the APIs, but of FHIR as a broader set of standards to use in creating them. Tell me a little more, if you don't mind, about how you think about FHIR in this context and and how does it really, how do you think it starts to change what uh, payer connectivity and data exchange looks like as we continue into the future? Yeah, so I talked about the HL7 V2, V3 standard right now. It has its limitations. The data segments, the resources are not really standardized. Every time we do an HL7 integration, there are customizations. There is an HL7 standard, but we find it very uncommon that our customers can completely accommodate those standards. There's always 
differences in spec mapping, or there's always some challenges that take place. Now, the other option that we offer, as I said before, is our custom APIs. We expose our product uh, capabilities through APIs, but then the customer, the user still has to create a mechanism, identify what data fields are required, how it needs to be triggered. There are various elements there that go into that thought process. Even though it's easier and faster than doing the HL7, it's not super standardized. They have to look at our specifications. They have to see if they can accommodate them. And then there might be a back and forth there again. The third thing there is, uh, this is big with our prior authorization use case, is we require clinical documents as part of our prior authorization evaluation process. So clinical data is not easily transmitted through the HL7 standard as well. Now, FHIR aims to solve all these different problems, right? Now, if we have this standardized set of data in different elements, where, which is common to people across the healthcare industry, where they know what data elements to use, what are the different resources, it creates a more generic base for implementations and integrations where everyone can conform to that standard and there is no differences in duty spec mapping or customizations at the extent to which that the HL7 has. I think it can really improve the times taken for implementation and integrations, and it takes care of all the different requirements with the security, the HIPAA, it's all HIPAA compliant. So we don't have to worry about that when we do do custom APIs. We have to make sure ourselves that everything there is conforming with the different standards that we want to conform to. So I think it's just a matter of uh, adoption. There is some resistance to it as well for no real reasons, to be honest. I have never heard someone say that, oh, you know, something fire isn't good because it doesn't offer X, Y, Z. What I do here is, oh, you know something, fire is not going to be adopted. It just won't happen. No one is using it. I don't really hear concrete reasons for that. But so if that initiative is taken by market leaders to make this a common utility practice, I think people, I think other providers and vendors will follow for sure. Right. I think, you know, just the last thing I'd ask is, where, where do you see payer provider data exchange going? Yeah, so you're, you're in the space, you're working with it every day. If you could whip out your crystal ball and say, in five years, this is where I'd like to see this type of exchange happening or the mechanism of that exchange happening, what would it look like to you? So there's different uh, use cases for when a provider interacts with the payer. Currently, there are standards. There's the EDI standards, the 270, 271 for eligibility. There's the 278 for prior authorizations. There's the 837, 835s for claims. Now, these standards of communications exist today, but we haven't seen providers being able to utilize these. Even as a tech vendor, it's not something that we are directly working with in terms of the 270, 271, we use, utilize you guys. But even for other use cases, such as the prior authorizations and the claims from remote data, I think these standards aren't 
the most seamless standards working with. We, we find it easier uh, when communications are done through an API. We know we've talked about the FHIR standard. If we can see the payers adopting that standard and everything, all communications taking place via an API, via the FHIR standards, I think things would be way more seamless. I don't know if it's going to take five years, if it's going to take seven years, but I do see that uh, as we make progressive uh, increments to reaching that place where we can utilize APIs to make all sorts of communications with payers, I think that would benefit everyone. And if it, the question is, if it does benefit everyone, how long and why isn't it happening sooner? I think we will get there. Hopefully it's within the next five years, if not, definitely uh, sooner than later. I'll tell you, we certainly share the same point of view especially as we think about taking these APIs and turning them into the products that allow us to do exactly what you said, make them more prevalent, make them more usable and and helping everyone use them in a more consistent way. Well, Akarsh, I'd really like to thank you uh, for taking the time to chat with us today about APIs in healthcare. For our listeners, don't forget to check our show notes for links to resources and contact information related to the show. And stay tuned to the Change Healthcare podcast for more shows covering APIs and the use of APIs in healthcare. For more information, please visit our website at www.changehealthcare.com. If you're interested in looking at the existing catalog of APIs, we invite you to visit developers.changehealthcare.com. And this is G. Shaw, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.